We're going to go uh, to the book of Titus, chapter number one, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number 10. We've been studying from this topic, commitment to change. And I asked you the question when we went to Philippians, the second chapter, verse number five, have you lost your mind? Have you lost your mind? Because what we're trying to do, what we're trying to do is, is lose our mind and gain the mind of Christ. We want to begin to look at every decision, every life situation. We're going to look at every choice through the prism of God's word. That's what we want to do. We want to become like Christ and we want to become uh, 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 God's representative here in the earth so that we can lead others into a personal relationship with the Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So Titus chapter number one, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number 10, because we started uh, on last week to begin to delve into six characteristics of the Christ-like mind. And we talked about uh, what those characteristics were. We began talking about the fact that a person who has a Christ-like mind has a mind that's alive, that's, that's vibrant, that's, that's living, that's, that's been regenerated. It's alive. And we said also uh, the person who has a Christ-like mind, one of the second characteristics of a Christ-like mind, it is single-minded and focused. In other words, the mind of Christ is, if you have a Christ-like mind, it is devoted to doing life God's way. Because, guys, there's any number of ways we can choose to do life. And most of us, uh, if we're honest about it, we tend to do life based off of our family of origins way of doing life, right? The way our mothers and fathers reared us and and a lot of those things are still uh, captivated on the inside of us, whether we care to admit it or not. Many times we are just like our daddy. Many times we are just like our mama. Uh, and, and, and those things carry with us. But what God wants us to do is once we come into a personal relationship with him, then now our new family, which is the family of God, should take precedent over our families of origin. Are y'all tracking with me today? God says, now that you belong to my family, then what I say carries more weight than what mama says. And God says, I'm okay with what mama says as long as what mama says lines up with what I say. We celebrate mamas today, but how many of y'all know sometimes mamas are wrong? Look at neighbor, neighbor. Sometimes mama's not right. <laughs> All right. So, so, so when mama's not right, come on, we're going to say, mama, I love you. You are awesome. You birthed me into this earth realm and I wouldn't be here without you. But God says this and you say it that. So I got to go with God. Amen. All right. So, so, so we, so a single minded purpose says, person says, which is the Christ like mind. I'm so devoted to Christ Jesus that, that no, no matter who else comes in my way, I'm going to let Christ and his word and his way of living take precedent over my family of origin, my ethnicity, uh, my state that I grew up in, the school that I went to, all of that has to take a back seat to the way Christ wants me to live. Single-minded. Everybody say single-minded. Everybody say one-track mind. That's what God wants us to have as, as believers, a one-track mind. Now, uh, the third thing we talked about was a lowly mind. A lowly mind from Philippians, you know, a mind of humility, okay? Uh, having that lowly mind. you you know, being able to, to, to not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to submit yourself to the will of God. So we're going to jump into this, this fourth component of the Christ-like mind, which is the pure mind. So we look at our, take, pick up our reading from Titus chapter number one, 
And let's begin reading at verse number 10, the pure mind. Glory to God. Text says, for there are many rebellious people who engage in useless talk and deceive others. This is especially true of those who insist on circumcision for salvation. Now, let me park right there and understand what's happening here. Uh, as Paul writes this letter to Titus, uh, there are some who were still trying to hold on to some of the tenets and the effects of Judaism. Okay, that, that, that's the Mosaic law, keeping certain holy days, having certain dietary restrictions, and also here, uh, circumcision. All right, because you know that part of the covenant that God made with his children of Israel, uh, the Israelites, the Hebrews, was that, that every male would be circumcised. The foreskin of the male genital organ would be circumcised after birth. Everybody know what circumcision is, right? All right, so that was a, an outward sign. It's similar to like wearing a wedding band. I have a wedding band on, right? That wedding band signifies to anybody who sees this that I am married. I'm in covenant relationship, right? Now, guess what, guys? If I pull this off, does that does my covenant relationship go away? It absolutely does not. Okay, so so really the covenant relationship is deeper than the symbol. But the symbol is there to signify that I am in covenant relationship. All right. So God God said to the children of Israel that I'm going to I'm going to 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 make this a sign of your covenant relationship with me. Circumcision of the male foreskin from the male sex organ. Okay, but. God, that was only a foreshadowing of what God was going to do when he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. Then now circumcision moves from being an outward thing to a circumcision of the heart. So when I accept Christ as my Lord and Savior, then now a circumcision, if you will, a cutting away of stuff takes place when I receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now. But so now, no, all right, so we got these believers who are Christians who've accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, but there were still some who still want to hang on to the old. All right? Have you ever been to a church where people want to hang on to the old? And, and, and say the new is, 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 is not right? Old is okay as long as it doesn't contradict the word of God. There are some old traditions of the church that, that man, that, that, that people, it means a lot to people and it is it's near and dear to them. Uh, and some don't feel like they had church unless you practice that old tradition. But the only problem with tradition is, is when it contradicts or it prevents you from following the word of God, the revealed truth of God's word. Y'all tracking with me? All right. So, so here we see, it says, for there are many rebellious people who engage in useless talk and deceive others. This is especially true of those who insist on circumcision for salvation. They were saying that it's Jesus plus having to perform circumcision on all the males. When Jesus clearly came to say, I fulfilled the law. And so now I'm performing a circumcision on your heart. So physical circumcision is no longer necessary to prove that you're part of the covenant of God or that you have a covenant relationship with God. Are y'all with me today? All right. So, so there were those who were, who were, who were saying stuff that was, that was, Paul said it was, uh, they were rebellious people engaged in useless talk and they deceive others. Look at the next verse. Let's read guys. He says, they must be what? Silence. Because they are turning whole families away from the truth by their false teaching. And they do it only for money. <laughs> they do it only for money. Do you realize, guys, 
that when Christ Jesus came and, and showed the new way, there was a whole cottage industry of folks who sold uh, uh, lambs for sacrifice and, 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 and all this other kind of stuff that they, that they did as a part of their, uh, their, their, their rituals and, and honoring God. Those folks now were mad because Jesus upset their apple cart. You remember when Jesus went in the temple and ran those folks out who were taking advantage of folks? Because what would happen is, and, and there were people who were, who were very uh, uh, conniving and, 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 and dishonest in their business practices. There were many who would come there and they were in cahoots with some of the ones who was working in the temple. And people would come to offer a sacrifice and they would tell them, well, that sacrifice is not good enough. But old Joe over here got one that is good. Go buy one from him at twice the price because yours is not good. And so Jesus, when he saw this, this conniving business practice going on, he went in and ran them out of the temple. Are y'all following with me? So people didn't like it. And the Bible says here that they must be silent because they are turning whole families away from the truth by their false teaching. And they do it only for money. There are a lot of people who are in, in, involved with ministry for the sake of aligning their pockets. And guys, listen, be very careful of following folks who only have the mindset that, that it's all about me and you need to bless me. See, this is never about the pastor. It's never about the, the bishop, the priest. It's never about the, the music minister. It's never about the deacon. It's about Jesus Christ. Let's keep reading, guys. Come on, let's go. It says, even one of their own men, a prophet from Crete, has said about them, the people of Crete are all liars, cruel animals, and they're lazy gluttons. That's one of their home prophets. Now, this is the Isle of Crete. If you back up, let's back up real quick. I'm going to back up for a second here and look at what the text says here, what Paul says uh, in verse number one of this, of this chapter. One of their own people talked about him like that. Watch this. This letter is from Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been sent to proclaim faith to those to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. That's why Paul came. Look at the next verse. Let's go. This truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. Verse three says, and now at just the right time, he has revealed this message, which we announce to everyone. It is by the command of God, our savior, that I have been entrusted with this work for him. Paul says, I've been entrusted to do this, to pour into your life. Text says this, I'm writing to Titus, my true son in the faith that we share. May God, the Father, and Christ Jesus, our Savior, give you grace and peace. He says this, I left you on the Isle of Crete. Watch this. Titus was similar to Timothy, one of Paul's sons in the ministry. He says, I left you on the Isle of Crete so that you could complete our work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. Next verse says what? And an elder must live a blameless life. He must be faithful to his wife and his children must be believers who don't have a reputation for being wild or rebellious. Okay, every preacher kid, if you're a preacher kid, you know what? Stop being wild and rebellious because you're messing with your, with your, with your, with your dad's uh, way of doing ministry. Isn't it, isn't it amazing sometimes? And I'll I, I say this because this is not always true, but sometimes it can be true. How many of y'all know that sometimes uh, the, the children of teachers and preachers sometimes be some of the worst ones in the school or in the church? Sometimes. Sometimes. Can I get a witness? And, you know, I think sometimes one of the reasons why that, that happened, I think particularly as it relates to ministers, and I said it before, 
is, is, is if we put undue expectations upon our children or allow the church to put undue expect or unreasonable, let me put it that way, unreasonable expectations. Because there are, there are teenagers just like everybody else. And one of the things that I've learned to do is, is not spend so much time pouring into everybody else that I don't pour into my own children. And that's what happens a lot of times because those children are, are crying out for attention because dad couldn't make their ball game because he had to go run a revival. And everybody else's parent is there, but dad is not there. Mom is not there. They're, going, they're too busy doing ministry work to even support their children in their day-to-day lives. And sometimes what happens is if you're not careful, any pastor who listens to this, hear me careful. You got to balance life. Okay. If you got a family, if you're married, that's, that's why Paul said this. Really, Paul said, I wish all of you all were like me. Now, some argue that Paul uh, was widowed. Uh, some argue that he was divorced. Uh, uh, but either way, we know that Paul did not have a spouse because he said, don't I have the right to, 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 to carry, have a, a wife like these other guys who, who, who are going about doing the work of ministry? So Paul was single, and Paul says, I wish that all were like me, single doing the work of ministry. But Paul said what? Everybody ain't got that gift. Do you know what it means that everybody don't have that gift? Everybody don't have that gift of celibacy. Some of y'all, some, some brothers say, ah, nah, 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 nah. Not me, Reverend, not me, Reverend. It'll be better to be single and do ministry because if you have to come, if you have to go counsel somebody and come home at 12 o'clock at midnight, nobody's there to say, where you been? Who you been with? How long were you with there? With them? What's anybody else over there? When you're single and singles, let me tell you something. All y'all, let me see the singles in the house. Raise your hand if you're single. You're not married. You're not married. Let me see your hands. Singles, all, all singles, all singles, young and old, young and old singles. Lift your hands. Come on, raise your hands, singles. Singles, come on, raise your hands, singles. Listen, you are in the perfect prime position to give your all to the Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Because the Bible even says that when you get married, guess what? There's other obligations. Come on, when you have a spouse... You have to take into consideration what your spouse wants and desires and needs. I need y'all to track with me today. So celebrate your singleness. Don't let anybody talk you down because you're single. And get, child, you haven't been married yet. Your biological clock is ticking. You're 35. You want to have some babies? You better get If the right one has not come along, you stay right where you are and keep serving Jesus. Can I get five witnesses out there? Because you have the perfect opportunity to sell out for the Lord. And I know I'm not saying it's wrong to get married because marriage is honorable and all the bed and the foul. But what I'm trying to tell you is, is Paul says he wished that we would be like him. You know, not married so you can give your all to the Lord. Now watch this, watch this. He said an elder must be a blameless, live a blameless life. He must be faithful to his wife. And his children must be believers who don't have a reputation for being wild or rebellious. Come on, let's go. He says, and an elder is a manager of God's household, so he must live a blameless life. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. I hate arrogant Christians, right? He must not be a heavy drinker, violent, or dishonest with money. If you're going to lead in ministry, you got to have a lifestyle to go along with it. Rather, he must obey. He must enjoy having guests in his home. You got to be hospitable. You got to be hospitable. If you're going to be a ministry leader, you need to be 
hospitable. Let me come to this side. You know what it means to be hospitable? That means you, come on, let's read together. He must enjoy having guests in his home. All right, all right, let let, let me, let me work on some of y'all because some of y'all need some work on this, right? Some of y'all come to church, lead church, and don't want anybody to come to your house because that's your private domain. And all I'm saying is, is that if you're really going to be a spiritual leader, there are going to be times when God is going to place in your spirit and say, hey, invite that couple who's struggling over your house. Invite them over for dinner and y'all have some time and y'all can talk. Because it's easy to talk. Listen, I know you can talk to them in the Sunday school room in the back, but that ain't the same thing. When someone comes to your house, that's a sign of a deeper level of intimacy in your relationship. Right? If you're dating somebody and you bring them home to meet mama and daddy, that means that this thing may be getting a little serious, right? But if you're dating somebody and they had never met your parents, y'all ain't doing nothing. Or something's going on wrong, let me put it that way. Maybe you date somebody who you don't want their parents to meet because your parents have a spirit of discernment and they'll tell you right away, mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. No, 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 no. Is he saved? Well, I don't He goes to church. I didn't actually go to church. Actually, is he saved? Does he know Jesus? What's his testimony? Well, he was baptized when he was five. Does, uh, that's not what I asked you. I asked you, is he saved? Does he know Jesus? Does he have a, a faith walk? What does he talk about when y'all out on your date? That's what I want to know. Oh, mom, no, no. What do y'all talk about? Well, we talk about the latest dress codes and the, what, what's, what's popular, what's the latest music, and, and, and just some stuff. No, I don't want stuff. Tell me what are y'all talking about. Because if he never mentions his Savior, if he never says anything about his faith walk, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to, to go back and have another conversation because you need to find out, amen, where he really stands. All right? Let's keep moving, y'all. All right? Rather, he must, he must enjoy having guests in his home. So when somebody invites you to their home, that means the level of intimacy has gotten uh, a little bit deeper. And he must love what is good. He must live wisely and be just. He must live a devout and disciplined life. Let's keep moving, guys. He says what? He must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught. Then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and, 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 and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. Okay, and that's when we get into our text here, into this tenth verse. Now let's let's skip, let's keep moving. Verse ten says, "What? Uh, for there are many rebellious people who engage in useless talk and deceive others. This is especially true of those who insist on circumcision for salvation." Now he says they must be silenced because they are turning whole families away from the truth by their false teaching, and they do it only for money. Next verse says this: Every one of their own men, even one of their own men. A prophet from Crete has said about them, the people of Crete are all liars, cruel animals, and lazy gluttons. He says, this is true, so reprimand them sternly to make them strong in the faith. He's talking about church discipline here. Okay? Listen, church discipline is designed to correct erroneous behavior that's not indicative of somebody who knows Christ Jesus. And in the church, because we, 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 the church in America has gotten really... Uh, uh, 
laissez-faire, lackadaisical, not really focus in on the things of God at the level that it should be, I believe. And I believe that because of that, we allow any and everything to go on without lovingly, not judgmentally, but lovingly going and offering correction to that wayward saint. All right. The Bible, all throughout the scripture, it talks about church discipline. This mindset that I can do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it, and still be in good standing with my local church congregation, it's never, that, that kind of mindset, that kind of membership is not laid out in the, in the Holy Scriptures. The Bible talks about uh, dealing with issues so that the church can remain a viable vehicle that God uses to minister in, in, in the community which, in which we serve, Okay. This is true, so reprimand them sternly to make them strong in the faith. You're reprimanding them sternly, not because you're better than them, but you're trying to make them strong what? In the faith. Keep reading it. Next verse is what? They must stop listening to Jewish myths and the commands of people who have turned away from the truth. The next verse says, everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure, but nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and consciences are corrupted. Verse 16, last one says what? Such people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. Let's read that out loud and on purpose together. It says what? Such people claim they know. What? Stop. What are, who are such people? Back up. Back up. Everything is pure to those who appear hearts to appear, but nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and their consciences are corrupted. Now, let's go. Such people whose minds are corrupted and their consciences are corrupted claim they know God but they deny him by the way they live. They are detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. Listen to what he says now. He says that when our lifestyle does not line up with what we say in our, out of our mouths, and I'm not talking about you know, everybody here, if you're honest, if you raise your hand, you can say, Pastor, I've sinned since I've been saved. Let's say it out loud. Get it out. Say, Pastor. I have sinned since I've been saved. We're not talking about a, a man overtaking the fault because uh, the Bible says you with the spirit to go and restore him in the spirit of meekness. Consider your own self. We're talking about a lifestyle of sin, a, a lifestyle of just living however you want to live and, and, and have the audacity to say my church better not say anything about it because they do. I'll stop giving and I'll leave. Well, what I'm going to tell you is stop giving and leave because we're going to keep talking about it. I know that God, come on, God requires us as a body of believers to love each other enough to speak truth into each other's lives. Are y'all with me today? Mothers, love your children enough to correct them when they're wrong. Stop trying to be their friend. Stop trying to be their hangout buddy. Now, you, moms, you can do stuff with the children, but you better be one who tells them the truth. Amen? All right, so let's keep reading. Okay, so a pure mind, pure mind. The natural spiritual state is difficult to maintain, guys, because one reason is because we are constantly assaulted with information into our sensory realm. What we hear on television, what we listen to over the radio, the type of movies that we watch, you know, 24-hour news cycles. I told you that, you know, the, our thought processes will dictate and determine what we think about. Let me, here's, a, here's an illustration. How many of y'all watch horror movies or scary movies when you were growing up? Anybody? 
How many of y'all had nightmares as a child as a result of watching uh, Friday the 13th, part 25? How many had? <laughs> or uh, what's one of those? Halloween. No. Any of y'all had nightmares after watching a horror flick? All right. Why is it that you had a nightmare? Because something you saw that was ingrained in your mind and in your spiritual consciousness now begins to regurgitate and comes back up. Are y'all with me? And so as a result, what goes into your mind, what we allow into our ear gates and our eye gates has an effect on what we think about. Are y'all with me today? It, it's, it's, guys, it's, it's been shown that, uh, and I, I, I've shared this with you guys before, uh, one of the things that, that, that is real pervasive because of, of the Internet is, is pornography being shown uh, across various venues. And I told you, uh, one survey shows that, that most young guys are ex- first exposed to pornography at the, at the young age of eight years of age. And the impact that it has on the brain and, and the way of thinking is detrimental. And it causes a lot of sexual immorality. And people are, you know, it, it just, it, from, from young on up to old. And so when you allow stuff to come into your ear gate without filtering it, without saying, listen, that's not of God, I can't watch that. If you don't start doing that, then it's going to begin to control what you think about. Are y'all with me? What you think about and what you think about will ultimately result in what you are being about. Because if you think about a thing long enough, if you meditate on it long enough, you'll find yourself going into that refrigerator at 11 o'clock at night and getting that scoop of ice cream. You're in the bed thinking about it. And you convince yourself that two scoops won't hurt. After all, I've exercised all week long. What are two scoops are going to do? Huh? And it causes you to violate your plan of eating that you said you were going to do uh, for, for that time. So what do you think about? So purity of, of mind. Go with me right quick to 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. And we're going to look at verse number five, one that's very familiar to us. And so pure, purity, purity, purity in our thinking. Second Corinthians chapter number 10, and we're going to go to verse number five. Are y'all still tracking with me? Everybody said, I got to lose my mind and gain the mind of Christ. Listen to what the text says. He says, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey God. Christ. Let's go to the KJV in that very same verse there. I love the way it reads in the King James Version. Because this is what we got to begin to do. If we're going to have purity of mind, we're going to have to learn how to capture our thoughts. And we got to learn how to say, you know, I'm thinking this, but, but, I, but I read in the scripture this, and this, what I read in the scripture, doesn't line up with what I'm thinking. So I got to do something with what I'm thinking so they can get in, in concert with what, I'm, what I've been reading. In studying in the Bible. It says it's casting down imaginations and bringing everything that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing, read with me, and bringing into captivity every thought, every thought to the obedience of Christ. Guys, if, 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 you're, if you have a desire for purity of, of mind and heart, you must, and we all must learn how to bring our thoughts into captivity. Let me give you 
six little things. This is not in your notes, but just write these down real quick. Six things that, that I think will help us to, to, to take our thoughts captive. Number one, accept responsibility for your thoughts. Accept responsibilities for your thoughts. Each one of us have the ability to exercise control over our thoughts. God warned Cain uh, to focus his mind on the right thing, but Cain chose to think about the wrong things, anger and jealousy, which led to his murdering his brother. Amen. Are you willing to admit that you can, with God's help, regain control of your thought life? Because some of y'all go around and say, well, I can't help that I fought it. Well, start thinking about something different. If you meditate and focus on something different, then your mind will begin to think about something different. Are you with me? So number one, realize that you got to accept responsibility for your thoughts. Number two, you must, your, your mind, not just your behavior must change. Your mind, not just your behavior must change. Because if your behavior changes, but you don't really change your mind, you'll ultimately end up going back to the same behavior that you left. Okay? Your mind, not just your behavior must change. God calls us to change sinful behavior that does not honor him. But instead of focusing on your outward behavior, work on disciplining your mind. What do you do? Meditation in scripture. I, I told you a while back, one of the best things you can do, I believe, is go through the book of Proverbs and read Proverbs and meditate on Proverbs. Proverbs is a book of wisdom, and it'll, it'll give you wisdom on how to live life. And how many of y'all can stand some more wisdom? How many of y'all admit that you've made a dumb decision before and it costs you dearly? Anybody in the house? I, I got my share of dumb decisions, and I rarely admit that they were dumb decisions. I didn't think them out fully. I went by emotion and I went by feelings, right? And it's dangerous to let your feelings lead you. Now, feelings are part of us. And we, we, we understand that and we studied that in our uh, emotion health relationship course and emotion health spirituality. But we can't let them dominate us. Okay? All right? Because if we let them dominate us, then there have been times when we felt like doing stuff. Yeah, guys, come on, can we be honest? There are times we felt like doing stuff that would have been detrimental to our financial health, our physical health, uh, our well-being as a person. There have been things that, that we, we felt like doing or thought about doing that had we done it, we would have been in jail now. Anybody would have been in jail? Anybody would have uh, uh, been divorced now? Don't raise your hand because I don't want you to get in trouble when you get home. Anybody would have, uh, may have been uh, put in a position to where you could no longer serve in the capacity and ministry that you're serving in now because had you followed your feelings and your thoughts? Hello? All right? So, so guys, your mind, not just your behavior, must change. Number three, think through your problems rather than just react to them. Think through your problems rather than just reacting to them. This is part of helping us to, to, to bring our thoughts into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. Think through your problems rather than just reacting to them. Guys, when that, all of us are going to face difficult challenges. And when we do, guys, we got to make sure that we don't just react to what's happening, but we got to think through it. Okay? Think through your problems rather than just reacting to them. All right? Number four, take, take those dis. Take those disabling thoughts captive through confession. Through confession. Take them captive through confession. Let's go to Rome. Flip over to Romans, the 12th chapter. Romans 12, verse number 21. 
take them captive through confession. In other words, I need to speak. The Bible says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. What is he saying? Words have power. God spoke the world into existence. God could have did any number of things, but God says, I'm going to say, let there be light and light came because I said it. God's word has the ability when it's, when it's, when it's spoken out of our mouth, it has the ability to change situations and change things. Are y'all with me today? So we said, be not, the text says this, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. If I'm trying to bring a thought into captivity, if I'm going to, if I'm going to take those disabling thoughts and capture them through confession, I got to start saying what's written in God's word rather than saying what I'm feeling. I got to start speaking what God's word says rather than speaking what I feel. Now it's good to have a time when you can share and express what's going on with you. I'm not saying you ignore your feelings, but what I'm saying is at some point in time, if you're going to be a mature saint, you got to start speaking what God's word says rather than uh, 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 saying what you feel. Why is that important? The Bible says, watch this. He says, pray for those who despitefully use you. How many of y'all know that can be tough? But I got to say it to myself because if I don't say it to myself, self, then if I'm, if I'm at, at all with you, if I'm at odds with you, then I'm going to want to do more than pray over you. Come on now. Have you ever been so mad you want to hit somebody? Let me see the hands of everybody who's ever been mad enough to hit somebody. And in your mind, it came to your mind. But thank God you said to yourself at work, you know what? My children still like to eat. You know what? I still like having a roof over my head. And you know what? If I hit this supervisor, then I am going to be relieved of my duties and I will no longer have income to feed my children and to stay in my house. So I better do something different. Plus, the Bible says, vengeance belongs to me, said the Lord, I'll repay. And plus, the Bible says, pray for him. And so you got to start confessing it to yourself, Lord. Right now, and be honest with God, because God already knows, Lord, you know, I'm, not, I'm feeling a certain kind of way right now. Lord, you know, I, I, I really, you know, I, God, I really don't want to do your will right now. I really want to kind of handle it my way. But Lord, I know what you said in your word, so I'm going to speak and I'm going to confess your word until my feelings get under control of my spirit. Because my spirit man, amen, needs to be in charge. I need to be guided by my spirit man rather than solely by my emotional state of being, my emotionalism. Is this making sense to anybody? So I, but I do that by saying, by learning to confess. I think about this for, you know, even the Bible says, that thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God hath raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Confession is, 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 is a part of our spiritual discipline. We got to learn how to speak what God's word says and stop speaking what we're feeling all the time. Again, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a chance to, or an opportunity. If there's an alt between you and your brother, you go to him one-on-one, tell him it's fault between you and him alone. I'm not saying disregard that uh, or don't share your feeling, but what I'm saying is don't be controlled by them. Okay? So, so, so take, take your disabling thoughts captive through confession. Number five, choose to focus your thoughts on the right things. Choose to focus your thoughts on the right thing. 
Paul told us in Philippians to, to whatever is true, what is noble, what is right, what is lovely, what is of a good report. Think on those things. So choose to focus your thoughts on the right things. And number, number six, realize that it is possible. Okay? It's not easy to retrain your thoughts or to respond in new Christ-like ways, but it is possible. When you take the word of God, put it down in your heart, and we found out from 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 that the word of God corrects us. It makes us, it, it makes us realize what is wrong, and it teaches us what to do. What, what, it teaches us the right thing to do, okay? So those are six little things that you can do to help you have a pure mind, okay? Because our minds can get off, off base. Listen. Psalms 101 verse 3 says, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. Psalms 101 verse 3, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. That's what the psalmist said. I'm not going to set a wicked thing before my eyes. And so I'm going to refuse to look at something I know is not in line with God's will. So so we got to have a pure mind. If we're going to have a Christ-like mind, it has to be a pure mind. The next thing we, we, we see on our outline is that we got to have a responsive mind, responsive mind. Everybody say responsive. See, guys, listen to me carefully. When Jesus appeared to his disciples on the evening of the resurrection, he opened their minds to understand the scripture. Let's go to Luke, the 24th chapter, and we're going to look at verse number 45. Luke, the 24th chapter. Hallelujah. Are y'all still tracking with me? All right, everybody stand on your feet right quick. It's a little warm here to me. I don't know about y'all. Stand on your feet. Hold, come on, stand up, stand up. Somebody, somebody got a sleep demon on them right now. I, I, I got to break that sleepy spirit on you right now, okay? We got just a few minutes to go. Uh, don't worry, I didn't see you individually. It just came up in my spirit that somebody's sleepy. <laughs> Say, Lord, Lord, I refuse to go to sleep. I need to learn how to change my mind. I need to learn how to lose my mind and gain the mind of Christ. So, Lord, help me to stay awake in the name of Jesus. All right, get the Lord a hand of praise for now, okay? All right, all right, here we go. Now, somebody, don't you come up to, don't come up to me after service because I didn't see you, but you're going to give yourself away. I've had to have, I've done it before, guys, and I'm, I'm honest. I didn't see anybody sleep, and I had people come, come up to me after service and say, Pastor, I know you saw me. I was over there and died. You just gave yourself away. I didn't see anybody. I'm just telling you it was in my spirit, okay? Now, if you want to confess, you can come confess. Because I've been there before. I've been in church where, man, it like I, I, I fought it tooth and nail. I pinched myself. I put some gum in my mouth. You know, I, I did some of everything. It, it, it was tough. So I, I, I understand your pastor is trying to help you. All right. Watch this, guys. I'm just going to read this one passage. And I want to challenge you to go back and read this in its entirety, this whole 24th chapter, when you get a chance in its entirety, because it's a very, uh, some very deep and rich principles that are laid out here in this text. Uh, And the Bible says this um, in verse number 24, it says, this is Jesus says, then he opened their minds to do what? To understand the scripture. That's a, that's a beautiful point there. Listen to me carefully. You will not understand this Bible just by natural intellect. Let me say it again. You will not understand the things of God 
lest the spirit of God gives you the revelatory knowledge and understanding. There are many people who are intellectuals who may have PhDs and they, they feel like they're smart enough to figure God out. But the Bible is written in such a way that God, God's anointing was upon every man that wrote. And the Bible says all scripture is inspired by God. He gave man the revelatory knowledge to write the Holy Scriptures, and it takes the Holy Spirit to get understanding about what God is trying to teach us. So it says, then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. Okay? Then he says, look, look at verse 25 just for good measure. Not, not 25, I'm sorry. Verse number 46, next verse, verse 46. Text says this. And he says, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. Next verse says what? It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness for sins for all who repent. I love that statement right there, guys. I just want to read that. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. I don't know about you, but... Every time I see that, I thank God that he forgives me when I mess up. I thank God that the blood has the power to wash away my sins. I thank God that there's forgiveness of sins for all of us who will repent, which means to turn away from, okay? But it was Jesus who opened their minds to understand the scripture. Maybe you're not understanding the scripture because you've been trying to do it in your own intellect, your own strength, your own willpower. Ask God for revelation and he'll give it to you. Are y'all with me? When Jesus appeared to his disciples, again, he opened their minds to understand the scripture. When Jesus chose the disciples, guys, he recognized in them a quality that made them fit subjects for three and a half years of intensive training. The disciples did not... Listen to me carefully. The disciples did not always learn quickly, guys, but they were teachable. Some stuff when you read, you're like, man, I just didn't get that, Pastor. And and I got to chew on it some more. I got to study on it some more. The disciples didn't always get it quickly, but they were teachable. They also wanted to learn. I told y'all, if I could, I would cut your head open and pour that Bible in there, but I can't do that. You got to be willing. You have to be willing to learn here's what I've come to the realization after 32 years of pastoring. Every member of the church, everybody in here don't want to be a disciple. Some of y'all, some of y'all are cool with, I accepted the Lord and you know, and I'm going to give him my time on Sunday. Uh, and, uh, as if you're really doing something and, uh, um, you know, I'm gonna be all right, pastor. That little discipleship training class. I'm good. I'm good. Right where I am. Let me tell you something. God called you, every last one of us, to be disciples of Christ. And when we have that laissez-faire, lackadaisical attitude toward our faith, and we're not willing to, to stretch ourselves to learn what God wants us to learn, to position ourselves to be disciples who can go out and reach others. Guys, what we're telling God is, God, I only want so much of you. And how many of you know, God is not pleased with that. I don't know about you, but I, in, 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 my, in, in the remaining years that I have on this earth, and the chances are, guys, 
Although the Hardeman family lives a long time, the chances are I'll be 58 in a few days and I have more years behind me than I do in front of me. And I don't know, but you you become, when you get past 50, you start being real reflective. <laughs> How many of y'all here in your 40s? Let me see, hands of those in the 40s, okay? All right. How many of y'all in your 50s? All right. Life started to change. When you got into your 50s and y'all in your 40s, you, you, hold on, you ain't got long. <laughs> You're going to be there shortly. But you start to reflect on things a little bit differently when you get to be in your 50s. Am I right about Am I the only one? And you begin to see, you, you say, you know what? I've lived long enough. I ain't got time for foolishness. Anybody ever said it before? I ain't got time for this foolishness. I'm going to stick with God. I'm going to do what God's word says. And, 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 and you, you, you're not, you not going to get on my nerves. You're not going to disrupt my peace. Come on. Even when, you, when your grown children come over and they, they have these issues and they, and they try to blame you for stuff, you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're not going to disrupt my peace. I love you. I birthed you into the world. I was instrumental in part of that. I'm your daddy. I'm your mama. But you know what? You're not going to disrupt my peace. I will help you. I will guide you. I will lead you. But you're not fixing to come up here and destroy my peace. Because I got the peace that surpasses all understanding. That's keeping my heart and mind through Christ Jesus. And I ain't going to let you mess it up. I like what Isaiah 26 and 3 says. That I will keep you in perfect peace. Whose mind is what? Stayed on thee. And I'm keeping my mind stayed on him. That's, that's the attitude you have when you pass 50, baby. <laughs> All right. All right. So, so, so guys, let, he opened their minds to understand the scripture. The disciples, the, 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 they, they wanted to learn. They were responsive to his teaching. Everybody, I'm sure, is not responsive to the gospel message that comes forth every week. Everybody's not responsive to the discipleship training initiatives that are designed to help prep you and to prepare you for living a godly life. You just want to kind of do it your way. And what I would tell you is, is that if God is going to use you at a higher level, he needs all, if he's going to use this church at a higher level, he needs all of us to be willing to be responsive to his word. Disciples, they were not perfect. Y'all, y'all follow the story, read it. Those guys had a lot of stuff they had to deal with. They, they were not all, but they were they were teachable. Amen. I can deal with somebody who, who may be a little bit off, a little bit thrown off, but they're teachable, rather than somebody who's full of pride, think they know it all, and you can't tell them a thing. Give me that person over here that's teachable, who's willing to learn, may not know it all. Versus that person over here who think they're God's gift to everybody. And they're the smartest person in the room in whatever room they go in. Baby, let me tell you something. You're not the smartest somebody in the room every time you go someplace. There's somebody smarter than you. So your prideful self need to get off your high horse and submit to God's word and be responsive to that word. Amen. You know, we see the opposite of responsiveness. Uh, if you look at Second Corinthians, the third chapter, verse 12 through 16, uh, and, and, and Paul was speaking of the Israelites in the desert, and Paul said their minds were blinded in Second Corinthians, the third chapter, verse number 14. But see, guys, even though their minds were blinded, our minds and our minds have been uncovered and they're open through Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
Look at what it says. But their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament. Which veil is done away in Christ? There were still some who were trying to hang on to the old. And Christ came to fulfill the law and to cut a new covenant. Stop holding on to the old, spiritually speaking, and life speaking. Because sometimes we hold on to the old and won't change. And there is something greater ahead, but we refuse to learn the new. Right? Some of y'all, you still, some of y'all still got your eight-track tape player trying to play it. Some of you young, what is an eight-track tape player? As a matter of fact, I got an eight-track tape cartridge in my office. It's a Dorothy Connolly gave it to me when I mentioned it in the sermon a few years back. And I hadn't seen one of those in a long time. There's no way to play it. As a matter of fact, most cars now, when you buy a new car, have they stopped putting CD players in them? They don't even put CD players in them anymore. So now you got your CD thinking you're going to listen to the music on the way home and ain't no way to play it. You got to get rid of the old and give it the new. You, you, you podcast it down. You know, how do you do it? There's a way to play stuff now without even having the CD. Okay? So don't, don't get trapped and stuck in the old. God, God is always challenging us to do something new. Amen? The spiritual dumbness of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, it was willful, guys. They were smug in their self-righteousness and they missed the coming of the Messiah. To be unresponsive to God is to be spiritually dull, spiritually void, and spiritually ignorant. And you don't want to be in that position. We have to be responsive to God and sensitive to his Holy Spirit if we're going to progress in our spiritual life, if we're going to experience change. We've got to be responsive. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes I'm slow to change. I'm going to admit it. I'm slow to change. There are things that we've done in ministry now that we've been talking about for a while, and I, I just had to get it settled in my spirit. But once I get it settled in my spirit, you have to ask my wife. Once I get it settled in my spirit, I'm like, let's go. We got to plan it. No, let's go. Well, Pastor, I'm like, no, let's go. God says, go, let's go. So God has told this mission, it's time to go. And if you don't want to go, you're going to get left behind. Because God is trying to move, and I believe, in an expeditious way because time is getting short, guys. There are people who need to know the Savior who we serve. The joy that you have on the inside, it should be contagious. Somebody needs to see that joy in you and to see you live in a vibrant Christian life and so that they will be attracted to what you have. But if you're going around being an old, mean, fuddy-duddy, always down and out, always complaining and whining, who wants to serve that kind of God? I wouldn't. The God I serve is a God of vibrancy. He's a God of life. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all I could ask or think according to the power that works in me and you. So when someone looks at your life, are they attracted to what they see? I'm not talking about physically, I'm talking about spiritually speaking. Because it's time to move. It's time to move. God is, I'm telling you, God is moving and he's moving at a fast pace. I want to go with God. I don't know about you. I want to go with God. We have to be responsive to God and sensitive to his Holy Spirit if we're going to progress in our spiritual life. How can we cultivate sensitivity to the Holy Spirit? One way is to, is to spend time in God's word, guys. 
Specifically, Jesus opened the minds of the disciples to scripture. God wants us to understand his word, but we cannot understand it if we don't spend time in it. It just doesn't happen that way. Jesus was sensitive and responsive to his father. In John 8 and 28, he says, I do nothing on my own. Listen to what Jesus says. I do nothing on my own, but say only what the father taught me. Wouldn't that be awesome and marvelous if every Christian here only said what the father taught them? I'm not the spiritual father. If you only spoke what Jesus taught you, spoke in a way that Christ told you to speak and, and begin to articulate gospel truths in a way that, 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 that God told you, rather than over there blankety blank, 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 blank writing something, social media that was negative and, and not encouraging, all that kind of stuff. Listen, let's get the mind of Christ. Last thing. Last one here. Peaceful. When you have the mind of Christ, there is peace. I told you, I'm not going to let anybody disturb my peace. You know, if you do anything for the Lord, if, if, you, if you seek to be a life changer, you're going to face criticism. That comes with the territory. Stop wearing your feelings on your shoulder and just do what God has told you to do. If I'm following God, I expect to get criticized. The Bible says all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The spiritual mind is peaceful, y'all. Our work is to set our minds. Guess what? God's work is to provide the peace. And we'll get on that next week. Our, our job is to set our minds. That, that word set in the KJV, which says set your mind on things above, it's actually a, a, a medicinal term, a medical term, because it had to do with a bone being broken in order for that bone to heal properly. Can I get a witness? You have to set the bone. Now, it's, it's kind of tough when you set it back in place. Any of y'all ever had a thumb dislocated while you're playing ball or anything? And had it over here, and, and, and it's crooked. I, one, we were playing uh, a, a game over at Tech when I was playing ball back then. One guy had thumb like it was already back. And he came to the sideline, and rather than just leave it alone, it was hurting, but in order for it to, to, to get back proper so it could heal, they had to take a thing and pop it back in place. Had to reset it. And what God is saying now, I got to set some of my Christians' minds. Because some of our minds have been warped by, by, by ways of thinking that have been poured into us by people and news cycles and all this other stuff. And what I want you to do is, is stop thinking like your old stinking thinking and start thinking like the word of God tells you to think. And when we do that, guys, we're going to have peace. We'll pick back up in Philippians 4 and Romans 8. And y'all know Isaiah 26 and 3. That will keep you in perfect peace of mind and stay on there because you trusted him. So, let's review real quickly. Six characteristics of the Christ-like mind. Number one is alive. Everybody say, no deadheads. Single-minded. Three, lowly. That don't mean pitiful. That means it means spirit of humility. Number four, what? Pure. Number five, what? Responsive. Number six, what? Peaceful. And guys, we're going to see how to get there on next week. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you.